going to ask you to raise your hand if you know who this is. Don't, don't say who it is, but, but do any of you, and this is somewhat a famous person, so if you happen to have a friend of this same name, you know, don't necessarily raise your hand on that, but do, do any of you know who Greg Hill is? I'm embarrassed for you, Derek. Okay. But fame, kind of fame. What I said, don't say, <laughs> the, the one guy, but he was afraid to rate, he knew who he was. So, okay. Uh, so a lot of you probably didn't hear that. So I'll, I'll move on to the, 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 uh, um, to the next one. How, how many of you know who Marcus Allen is? Just raise your hand. Quite a few more hands on that one. Priest Holmes, Moore, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. Okay. What do they all have in common? Derek. Running backs for the Kansas City Chiefs. Derek knew who he was. Did anyone else know that who Greg Hill was? Yeah, a couple of people like, yeah, I thought, but I didn't know who he was talking about. All running backs. When, when he was drafted, he was drafted number one by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1994. And the coach of the Chiefs that year, Marty Schottenheimer, described him this way. He said he's the real deal. He kind of got the nickname and it kind of became uh, a, a, somewhat of a taunt a little bit later on in his career. But he got the, got the nickname of Real Deal Greg Hill. Cause he was, Schottenheimer said, the real deal. Now, now most of you don't remember him, uh, or a lot of you didn't raise your hand, you don't remember him. Uh, why? Well, some of you weren't born yet in 1994, so that had something to do with it. But, but, but a lot of you knew who Marcus, uh, Marcus Allen was. Marcus Allen, I mean, he was a touchdown machine. You get inside the two, you could hand him the ball, and, uh, and, and he would score every time. What I loved about Marcus Allen, when he got a touchdown, uh, he didn't dance, he didn't spike it, he handed the ball to the fish. I, I've always appreciated that about him. You, you know who Jamar Charles is and Priest Holmes and, and Kareem Hunt led the NFL in yards this year or last year as a rookie. But why didn't you know, except for just a couple of you, who Greg Hill was? Well, in part because real deal Greg Hill wasn't the real deal. He, he didn't end up producing. All these other uh, running backs produced, they they were the real deal, but he, he wasn't that real as it turns out. We, we've been looking the last several weeks, the last three weeks actually, in John chapter 4, and Jesus', Jesus encounter with the woman at the well. And we've been learning how to follow, or at least seeing what Jesus shows us about following his heart and, and how to have a, a Christ-like attitude and a Christ-like heart. And, and we've seen thus far that Jesus... First of all, was relational. That's one thing we can learn from him, that if we want to have the heart of Jesus, we have to be relational. So, uh, so guys, as a church, as individuals, as believers, if we want to impact, kind of the story that Wanda was telling this morning, if we want to impact people, we have to be willing to be relational with them. It starts with being relational. But we have to be relevant. Jesus was definitely relevant with this lady and what, what he talked to her about, where he, where he met her and the, the, the voice that he spoke with her was relevant, but what we're going to see today, in some ways, is the most difficult of the three. It shouldn't be, but, but at least speaking from personal experience, I, I find this maybe sometimes to be the hardest thing to do. Because the last thing that we see about Jesus in this story was that he was real. He was relational. That was important. That, that built, built the foundation. He was relevant. He spoke to where she was and what her need was, but... But the truth was, all of that was pushing towards or aiming towards him being real. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to bounce around in a couple different verses 
there this morning. I, I just trust that most of you are pretty well familiar with the story from the last few weeks. But, but let's just read a few verses. John chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to dry to draw waters. Just look at two simple things here this morning. First of all, Jesus was real with her. As I said, it it may be the toughest thing for us to do is to follow the heart of Jesus and learn how or be inspired to or be challenged to or take the opportunity to be real with people. Jesus could have Jesus could have spent the whole day talking to this lady. Uh, it, it says that he sat down at the well because he was tired and she showed up and, and he started by simply asking for a drink. He was thirsty and asking for a drink and, and he could have spent the whole time just building relations. Uh, he, he could have asked her about her family. He could have asked her about her past. He could have asked her about who she, who she knew. And, and he could have just talked about all types of different things. But Jesus, Jesus got real. That's kind of, I think, where I struggle just a little bit when I deal with people. And, and I know some of you do the same thing. We, we struggle to get real, to, to get to the point where we really need to be talking with people. And that is about, about their relationship with the Lord and about their need for, for the Lord as the master of their life. Jesus, Jesus was the master at turning conversations away from just everyday or mundane or just about relational stuff. Jesus was the master about turning it to something that was real. Uh, he would tell a story. He would, he would give a parable. He would ask a question. But they always led into a real conversation. We see that Jesus, when he was real with this lady, the first thing he did was he offered, he offered hope. We see in the verses that I read that there was a tension that began to build as Jesus asked her for a drink of water. Her first response, if you remember that from a few weeks ago, her response was, well, why are you talking to me? You're, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You know, we don't usually converse this way and and there was a tension that was already there and then and then he started talking about this this living water and 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 what that was and and so her response was well give me that so i won't get thirsty and give me that so i don't have to keep coming back to this well to to draw and and we talked about this a couple weeks ago that that there was a thought in her mind and uh, that that maybe jesus was offering her some type of magic water but do you really believe do you really believe that she thought jesus was going to give her a, a water that that would either satisfy her thirst so she would never thirst again or or would would somehow ma- mad magically reproduce itself so she didn't have to go to the well did she really believe that or not see i think part of her was dreaming that jesus had magic water Man, would that be cool? Would that be neat if there was, there was such a thing as magic water? But I think there was a tension there because I think another part of her was hoping that he was talking about something else. I think there was a part of her that was hoping. See, so I think, I think she got what he was talking about. She just wasn't sure she wanted to go there yet. I, I think part of her was wondering is, 
is he really talking about something real? Is he really talking about something that will satisfy the real need in my heart, the real thirst that I'm struggling with? See, she knew she needed something, and she she knew that she needed to be satisfied, but she didn't know how to get it. <laughs> she didn't know how to get it, and she certainly didn't think she was worthy. In church, we come across people, we come across people every day. We come across people who are thirsty, who are struggling to find something real, struggling to find purpose in their life. Now, now, now they may put on a, an air as if everything's together and, and, and life does not have any challenges, but we, and you know, we come across, we come across people all the time that are looking for hope. And see, that's what Jesus was offering her. Jesus offered her, Jesus offered her hope. And, and she was thinking, could this man really be giving me hope? Hope for a better me. Hope for a better future. Hope for a, a, a better existence. See, if we're gonna, if we're gonna follow the heart of Jesus, church, we have to be real with people. Uh, and that's not always easy, but, but when we offer hope, it gives them something they can see and believe in. Philip Yancey, an author, uh, tells this story. He said it actually happened to a friend of his when, when he was a teenager, he was at a lake and it was just, it was just getting dust. It was just starting to, to, to the sun go down and it was a, a warm August evening and, and he, he got out in the lake and he swam a little ways out in the lake. And you know, when it's hot and humid and, uh, and, and you get in the lake, it just felt, said it just felt great and was fresh. And so, so he swam quite a ways off the, the shore and was just hanging there when all of a sudden kind of a weird freak storm came up or, or actually a freak fog, not really a storm, but, but a fog rolled in and suddenly he found himself uh, engulfed in this fog and he said immediately he lost track of where he was. He had no idea which way to go and, and, and he said I would start to swim one direction, I'd swim a little ways and then I'd begin to doubt myself like no that's not the right way and he said I would stop and, and then I would swim back and, and he said I was really just just to the moment of really beginning to panic, like, I do not know which way to go. And so in his panic, he screamed out, he hollered out, is there anyone there? And he said he could hear a faint voice from, from the shore saying, hey, I'm over here. And suddenly he had hope again. Suddenly he knew which way to go. Jesus offered this, offered this lady who was struggling, he offered her living water. Um, uh, and what he was doing was offering her hope. Church, we sometimes struggle to wrap our minds around the fact, around the fact that we have, that we have living water to offer people. Now, Jesus always seemed to do it immediately. Jesus always seemed to, when he went in conversation, find a way to, to, to delve into the real stuff right away. And I, and I know for most of us that's going to be difficult. And so let me share this story. Bill Hybels, uh, who was a pastor in Chicago, some of you may have read some of his books. Hybels tells this story uh, uh, that happened a few years ago. Said he began to, or, or decided that he wanted to join a uh, uh, a boat that sailed. He got into sailing, and he wanted to join one of these these crews that went on these big sailing trips and and, and got involved in all these different pro, uh, these uh, uh, competitions. And so so he said, I. I could have could have joined a group of guys that I knew from our church that were that were sailors. I could have joined their boat, but he said I purposely got hooked up with a group of guys that weren't believers, and and said I ended up on their crew. 
And Heibel says it took him two years. It took him two years before he ever really talked about his faith. Now, he, he told him who he was. You know, they, hey, I'm Bill Heibel. I'm pastor at Willow Creek Church. And, and they knew who he was. But he said it took two years for me to develop a relationship before I began to talk to them about my faith and about their needs. So church, man, I, if we follow the heart of Jesus, then every, every time we meet someone, we get right to the fact. We get right to the point. We get real with them immediately. But, but I understand that most of us aren't like that. Most of us, uh, in fact, all of us are not Jesus. Uh, but sometimes it's not as easy. But, but we have to get there eventually. We have to get real. And Jesus... Jesus issued a challenge. Jane, Jane Canuck says this. She said their three-year-old daughter Martha was asking a lot of questions. They, they were getting ready to load the, the, their car. It was Memorial Day weekend and they were, they were putting in the back of the car. They had some shovels and a couple little rakes and, and, and some flowers and all this different stuff. And, and so little, their little daughter said, well, so, so what are you doing, mom? What are you doing, dad? And, and so they said, well, we're going to the cemetery. And then, then her question is part, well, what's a cemetery? And so they explained what a cemetery was. And, and so, well, why are you going there? And they explained why they were going there. And, and, and then they said something about a grave. So, well, what's a grave? And then she says, well, why do you bury people? And went through all those questions. And, and they were just trying to, as gently as they could, answer those questions. So finally, when they, when they thought they'd answer those questions, she, she looked at, looked up at them and said, well, 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 are, are we going there to, to dig those people up? Are we going there to dig those people up? Jesus, Jesus issued a challenge to this woman that was at the well. And, and he could have dug up her past. He, he brought it up. He, he pointed out the fact, we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. He did point out the fact that she did have sin in her life, that she did have discouragement, and she had heartache, a heartache. And he could have continued to dig that up. But instead, he reached out to her and offered hope. Do you notice that Jesus, whenever he came in contact with people, offered hope, and he didn't dig up their past. The woman at the well, he didn't dig up her past. Uh, the woman uh, caught in adultery didn't really dig up her past. We know the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who was a crook. He didn't dig up his past. Uh, he was accused many times because it was true of eating with uh, with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't dig up their past. Many times he would heal people that that had questionable past, but he didn't dig up their past. See, Jesus wasn't about that. Jesus was about offering them hope. See, Jesus Jesus was real. He was real with this woman, and and then Jesus was real to her. Uh, Jesus could never impact her. Jesus could never impact her until he became real to her. And if there ever was a person that needed to have living water to experience the hope that it provided, it was this lady. She was the poster child for someone that needed to know that they could dream, that they could be different. She was someone that needed to know that God could answer the heartache in her life but before that could happen, Jesus had to be real to her. Now, now catch this. Do you realize when he challenged her about her sin that Jesus was really using that to prove who he was and to prove that he was real? Read with me uh, later down in the, in the fourth chapter, starting verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar. Now, remember, she had come to the well 
to gather water. And remember we talked about the first week she came at noon because she didn't want anyone else to see her. She didn't want to have to hang with all the other ladies that would go in the morning or would go in the evening. So so then leaving her water jar. So the whole reason for going there was to gather water, and she left the water jar. Notice what happens next. She left the water jar. She went back into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Let that sink in for just a second. She's at the well at noon, so she doesn't have to deal with people. She's at the well at noon, at the well at noon because she feels people's judge, judgment on her life. She, she knows she's made mistakes and they probably told her about. And what happens? She goes into town and says, hey, he told me what I've done. Well, they're all like, hey, we know what that is too. But Jesus became real to her. She suddenly realized that he was someone special. Uh, and, and church, Jesus must be real to us. Jesus became real, first of all, with her. Then he became real to her. And then she became real with others. With others. She left her jug there. I, I, I think John puts that in his narrative there, throws that out. It's seemingly a, 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 a detail that's not that important, but... But I think it is. He, she left the jug there and went into town. Why? Because something else more important had come up. Gathering water wasn't important now. Knowing who Jesus was was the most important thing. Several years ago, Reed and I went to the airport at KCI. We were going to pick up uh, my son Brian and, and his new bride Chrissy. They'd gone on their honeymoon. And so we were going to pick them up. And so I pulled up to the airport and I... I stopped and let Rita out so she could go into the gate. I went and parked the car and, and walked back into the airport and w- was going over to the counter to find out where their plane was landing so I could go find Rita and get hooked back up with her. Uh, and, and in doing so, I ran across a couple of friends, Dan and Marla Muter. Dan uh, had, had pastored at DeKalb for years. Uh, we were college roommates, best of friends, and, and but I hadn't seen him in several years since they had moved to southern Kansas. And I ran to Dan and Marla. They were there to pick up their daughter from the airport. And, and so I began to talk to Dan and Marla and, Marla and ask them what they were doing. And they, they told me what their daughter was doing. I began to ask about the other kids because they had four kids. And, man, I got so engrossed in talking to them that I forgot why I was there. <laughs> I forgot that I was supposed to go find Rita because we were picking up Brian and Christy and, and eventually I got there just as Brian and Christy's plane landed. But sometimes something more important comes up. Something more important than that jar of water came up for this lady. See, Jesus became real. Jesus became real. In church, we we can't offer living water to someone someone unless living water is in us in philippians 3 10 paul says i want to know christ and the power of his resurrection church if we're going to be real with people if we're going to offer them living water then then we have to have the living water in us and let me let me stop for for a second here i've 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 sat through sermons somewhat like this i've I've been in situations where people have talked about how we need to be real and how, how we need to make sure that we're witnessing to people and, and talking about Jesus. And, and I've been where you are, and I've, I've sat there many times and thought, man, I'm not doing that very well. And I've sat there kind of with my head down, maybe feeling just a little embarrassed, like, man, I must not be good enough because, 
man, when I have conversations, I don't go there. I, I don't get as real as I should. And maybe, maybe some of you are feeling that this morning, like, wow, I, man, I must not be doing it right because I don't get real with people. Let me point out two quick things. First of all, don't sell yourself short. The, the reality is you can oftentimes be getting real with people and you're not even realizing. And secondly, don't sell yourself short in realizing that you have a story. Where, where, where God has met you is where you can meet other people. Who do you think, who do you think God's going to bring into your life? Who's going to be the woman at the well for you? God's going to bring into your life people whose, whose, whose life will understand your story. They're going to bring people into your life that you can share with what you've gone through and how Jesus has encouraged you, how he has lifted you up, how he's given you living water. And that's the ones that he's going to use you to deal with. See, Jesus must be real to us, but he also has to be real through us. See, the first thing this lady did when she realized who Jesus was, that he must be the Christ, is she went and told other people. In church, our job then is to be real. That, that's ultimately what Jesus teaches here lastly from this story, is that, that if we're going to have the heart of Jesus, we have to be real. We have to be real. Erwin uh, McManus says this, we, we have put so much emphasis on avoiding evil, speaking of the church here, speaking of us as believers, we put so much emphasis on avoiding evil that we have become virtually blind to the endless opportunities for doing good. Let me read that again. Fill that note in in your, your bulletin. We put so much emphasis on avoiding evil that we have become virtually blind to the endless opportunities for doing good. He goes on to say, we have defined holiness through what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. I'm convinced that the great tragedy is not the sins that we commit, but the life that we fail to live. And he finishes by saying this, there is a subtle danger of hiding apathy behind piety. Uh, getting rid of the sin in your life, great. Now it's time to do something. Oftentimes I congratulate myself on being holy. I pat myself on the back for going to church. I say to myself, good job for controlling my, son, my tongue when Jesus really wants me to make a difference. Sometimes I'm more interested in not doing wrong than I am in doing right. See, the world, world really won't be impressed by our holiness as much as they are by our service. So church may be one of the easiest ways, one of the best ways for us to get real is to simply do good, to simply let Christ change our hearts and to move us. If you have your Bibles, uh, flip over with me to James chapter 2. We'll, we'll finish here in just a second. James chapter 2, starting with verse 14, it says this, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Church, we are called to live out our faith. In John chapter, first John chapter three, he says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of the Father be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So church, we are called, we are called to be real. 
and let Jesus be real in our lives. Let me close with this. Ted Curse, uh, in his book, The Blessed Life, tells this story. Ted says he was raised in Miami, Oklahoma, and his dad was a, uh, a uh, hospital administrator, but he also preached part-time at a little church. And, and as part of his job, and, and this was back in the, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, and, and part of his job as administrator and, and, and as preacher was to wear suits, so, so he frequented one of the only shops in Miami, Oklahoma that sold, uh, that sold um, suits. I gotta be careful. I might mess up again on that one like I did a few weeks ago. Uh, but, but he, he freaking that shop all the time was well known. And Kirsch says he was back in Miami. It's about, about 30 years later. It, it hadn't been there in years and years. And, and he had a little time to kill and he went downtown and he found that shop was still open. And, and he said, I walked in that shop and I was kind of just browsing around looking at stuff. Really wasn't going to buy anything. Um, and, and, and when he, when he heard a voice coming from the back of the room, the, the voice hollered out, you have to be Bill Kirsch's son. And he kind of froze for a second. He turned around and walked back, and, and, and sure enough, there was the owner, Tom Barton. He's the guy that had owned the store for years and years. And, and so Kirsch said, I was, I was curious, like, how in the world? And, and so he looked at him and said, well, yeah, yeah I am. I, I'm, I'm his son, Ted. He said, how in the world did you know who I was? You were in the back of the store. I had my back to you. How in the world did you know who I was? And he simply said, I saw you walk. And you walk just like your dad. Um, Church, we're called to follow the heart of Jesus. To follow the heart of Jesus. We see the story in John chapter 4. It's Jesus built a relationship with this lady. He could have ignored her, could have simply got a glass of water and turned his back and rested because the passage says he was tired, he was weary, hadn't eaten for a long time. We know that because the text says his disciples encouraged him to eat later on. He could have, could have just drank some water and, and gone about his day, but, but he built relationship. Man, there's, there's, a, there's a message there for us, church. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to build relationships. He was relevant. He saw that this lady was struggling. He, he knew the sin in her life. He knew the hurt. He knew the pain. And he spoke to it. Man, you need, you need something that will satisfy your thirst. And he got there immediately. He got there by being real with her and pointing it out. Church, we're going to follow the heart of Jesus. Let's be willing to be relational. Let's be relevant. Let's speak to where people need to hear. And let's be real. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that we can be in your house to, to be encouraged and be strengthened, uh, to be lifted up. Father, we thank you that we have uh, living water in our life. And I know, Lord, we, we oftentimes look down on ourselves and we oftentimes think that we don't deserve. Father, we often look at ourselves and think, man, I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not, uh, I'm not strong enough to share my faith or I'm not doing a good enough job of it. Father, you've called us to simply be real, to be honest followers of you. And Lord, I just pray that you'll open us uh, with opportunities. Uh, Father, send us Samaritans in our path. Send us uh, people like this woman at the well that we can speak to and build relationship and be relevant and real with them in our walk. Father, help us follow the heart of your son Jesus in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, as we stand and sing, we'd encourage you to come. Would you stand with me?